Welcome to the Rainbows and Rain podcast, the podcast for early interventionists, where you'll hear stories, reflection, and coaching from the field. My name is Erica, and I'm an ECSE teacher in Minnesota. This podcast is about connecting through stories and reflecting on our practices during visits. Hear how I try to put best practice and research to work on the road and on real visits, and how I try and look for the humor and sunshine in it all. I hope this podcast helps you connect and reflect on your own visits and interactions with families. The podcast is available wherever podcasts are listened to, so you can find it everywhere. You can also find it on Instagram. So add under, I'm sorry. So uh, at Instagram, it's at rainbows underscore rain underscore podcast. Um, by liking and reviewing the podcast, you put the podcast in front of more people, which helps grow our R&R community. And that's what this is all about. So welcome to, it's a milestone here on the podcast. It is episode 30. Woohoo! I will continue to do the podcast as long as people are listening and engaging and Um, you know, wanting to connect and grow their own practices on visits. I am all about it. So I will continue to do the podcast uh, and do that. So find me on Instagram if you want to connect or have feedback. I would love that. Um, Eventually on the podcast here, I'd love to get a co-host. So you guys don't have to just listen to me talk it would be a lot easier to talk to if I had someone to talk with. But I just did Instagram Live for the first time. Just wanted to check it out and see what it was like to do something like that. And I didn't I didn't really commit to a time that I was going to do it the other day, but um, I did commit to a day. So when I went live, there was just a couple of people who hopped on, which is a couple more people than what I thought there would be. And I thought it was great. So a couple people waved hi. Um, and then, yeah, you know, we can also like have other people join the live and ask questions and do things like that. So that's what's really cool about the Instagram lives is like connecting in real time. So I will maybe do that again and try it again. And something inspired me during the live. It was a comment um, made about colleagues coaching. And then I put something on my Instagram stories and someone else um, DM'd me And it was the same kind of thing. She started out coaching and then the family asked for a new provider. And this other person um, who was reaching out through the live um, was talking about how, like, how do you coach when colleagues aren't coaching too? And that is really difficult, especially if you're following, like, following a provider that's just left or filling in, or if you're working in a model that doesn't support primary service provider model, that's tricky. Um, If different people are going in and doing different things. um, So like, let's say there's the 
the the special ed teacher going out or the developmental specialist, whatever you're called in your state, going out separate from the speech, separate from the OT, and everyone's doing different things with the family, that's really <clears throat> that's really confusing for the family. So I encourage you to look into a primary service provider. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, and see if that's something your state um, does. Because um, most states have kind of adopted that as their um, as their best practice and how they want to implement early intervention in their state. However, you could be in a state just like mine, Minnesota, and where PSP, primary service provider model, is the recommended practice. It is widely um, implemented. And of course, co- of course, coaching is supported um, not only by Part C and IDEA, but it's also supported by ASHA um, and all the like OT, PT um, associations. It's supported there. As far as early intervention goes, you can look that up. Or if I find it, um, the statements there about coaching and early intervention, I'll find it and put it on Instagram. Um, but it is widely accepted and endorsed. The problem is not everybody is fully trained in it. Not everybody embraces it. And everyone has their own perception of what it is or what it isn't. So um, there's still a lot of growth in the field um, as far as like coaching and things like that. So I was inspired just to kind of do a podcast dedicated to um, working in an environment where not everyone is on the same page or maybe everyone is doing something a little bit different or maybe you are working in a program where people are still relying on the toy bag and the living room floor. Uh, that's that's going to be a reality wherever you go, I think, um, at least, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I wish I had an answer. But it's just going to be a reality for a while, I feel like, until everyone learns and embraces to do something different. Um, So yeah, so just like you need to meet families where they're at, you also need to meet your colleagues where they're at. So I really tread very respectfully when it comes to engaging in conversations with colleagues, there like I work in a program of 60. There are 60 early interventionists, PTs, OTs, speeches, teachers, um, you name it. And some of us got some of the same training. Some of us didn't. Some of us are on board. Some of us are not. Um, it's just, it's been really interesting ever, especially since COVID, since we've come back together over the last, you know, year and a half. <clears throat> we haven't been face to face since before COVID, but this past year and a half, you know, getting back to face to face just in front of each other as far as colleagues has been really interesting. Um, 
I've been in a couple of different trainings where I've been, I really try hard to, because I can get on a pretty big soapbox. Um, and I try not to because it doesn't leave the door open for other views, for other, um, people's opinions and things like that. So, and I think it's important that those be heard. So they, you know, so it's just important that those people be heard. Um, okay. So with all of that said, I meet your colleagues where they're at. You cannot force them into a style that they're not comfortable with, that they're not ready for, and they don't feel confident in. So that's rule number one. You can, however, reflect and use very respectful um, language and just, oh, this is just such a hard topic. You can, like, if you can't tell, I'm really hesitating, but I think I'm just going to dive right into it. So I've heard a lot that coaching is this, it's not that, or that is not coaching, this is coaching. Um, coaching is what it is. It, it looks like it's an interaction style. It's how you interact with families. I'll, I'll definitely say it's not this. It's not packing a generic to- toy bag, bring it to a family's home and sitting down on the living room floor. Absolutely not. That's not coaching. I will say that coaching is sometimes bringing something to a family's home and sitting on the living room floor. That's where it gets messy and tricky. So um, what's the difference? The difference is the intention and purpose and planning with the caregiver that go into it. That's the really big difference in all of in the both those situations, really, right? Because what's the difference? Um, that that's the difference. Um, I once heard a colleague say to me or say in a group, parents don't want that. The parents don't want that. They they want they want the therapy. They want the therapy for their child. The only thing I'm going to say to that is parents don't know what they don't know. And if you don't feel confident and success, like if you don't feel confident and comfortable implementing something, it's not going to go well. So it's, it's how are you explaining what you're doing? How comfortable are you doing what you're doing? And, and all of those things. And with anything, when you're trying to move or change habits or change practices, you, it's something that doesn't happen overnight. It needs to be, um, eased into, or like faded into, if that makes sense. Just like caregivers can't change overnight, service providers can't change overnight. They need time to process. They need time to reflect. They need time to change. Man, just like the kids we work with, they like time is its own intervention. They need time too. I will say though that if you stick with the process if you commit yourself to change, if you commit yourself to wanting to do something different, then something different will happen. So if you are bringing that generic toy bag out and you need that toy bag, okay, if that's what you need to feel comfortable, great. I'm not telling you not to bring it, but maybe you bring it and you don't open it. 
or maybe you bring less or maybe you try like some joint planning or maybe you start with like instead of bring like starting to open your bag and just doing your show so to speak your dog and pony show i say that as my dog is rolling around on the floor and you know being annoying hey stop it um ask the caregiver like hey is it okay i brought this and i thought it might help with you know start changing how you interact with the families that will make the toy bag go away okay so i'm going to share a quick story i took over for a uh, service provider who was servicing a family and they okay we've all gotten fired right we've all gotten fired from families I've even gotten fired from families um she got fired from the family and I was the person to come in and do that this family didn't respond really well to the toy bag show and I walked in and I, so the, this family got assigned a new team. So it was me and a speech therapist. And I was going to go out with a speech therapist. She was new to our program too. And she wanted to bring some stuff. And I was going to be the primary person coming out. So this was almost like a reset with the family. They, they wanted a new team, new setup, new everything. So new teacher, new team. Uh, we went out, we, we scheduled a, a visit. We were going to do it together so they could meet both of us. Um, the speech therapist was like, what should I bring? And I said, nothing. We're not going to bring anything. And she's like, well, maybe I'll just, I'll bring some daubers or something. And I was like, no, we're not going to bring any daubers. Um, I'm going to be the primary service provider. So, you know, I'm going to be taking the lead on this visit and we're both going to go out, but we're not bringing anything. And that was really hard for her. Um, really hard. And then another speech therapist who knew the family um, said, well, the, he needs some direct teaching. He needs some direct instruction. And I was like, okay, he might. And I, I'm not going to disagree with that because I don't know this family. I don't know this child. But we don't need a toy bag to do that. So again, what's the intent? What's the purpose? Like when you're, when you're, and even if the, the intent is purpose is like, oh, well, I really like this puzzle because it works on this kind of vocabulary, or I really like this activity because it works on this fine motor skill. Great. Um, but, but why are you bringing that? Is there something in the home that they don't have? When you when you bring stuff, it tells the family, I don't have what I need to help my child. And it, it just sets that impression like, I have the things you need this week and I'll bring the things you need next week. And even if you say to a family like, oh, but I leave it. I leave it and they practice it. Eh. That's not that that's that's not the goal, right? Because eventually you're not going to be bringing something and leaving something for this family every week. 
you're going to have a last visit. On that last visit, what do you want that family to be able to do, to problem solve, to think about, to know, to access? So, you know, it's intent and purpose and in everything you do from what you bring to how you talk with the family. For example, when you are going to bring something out, you might say, oh, I think he's having a lot of sensory difficulties. He's having a lot of time. You guys talk about it. Parents see it. You see it. I'm going to bring this out and we're going to work on it next time. It, I, it, it will help. That's not That's not planning with the caregiver. That's telling the caregiver what to do. You want to start rephrasing what you say to get parents more on board. So for example, I have some ideas. Tell me what you think of A, B, and C. Out of A, B, and C, what do you want to try first that I can bring? Okay. No matter what it is, AT, equipment, whatever, um, involve them in the process and in the decision-making about what you bring. It should never be a surprise. I went through the early intervention process with my son, um, and I will only talk about what that experience meant to me because there are other people that work in the field um, that we work in who also had early intervention services with their children. Um, I work with some of those people too. And I've heard the phrase, I liked it when the providers came to my home and showed me things and brought new things because it gave me ideas. I think that's great. Like, it's great that you got ideas and it's great that you were able to think about what they were doing and being able to generalize it. Um, However, that doesn't mean that that fits for everybody. And some families will need to see to understand, if that makes sense. So you may need to show them more for them to understand. It all depends on what their learning style is. Um, I, I listened to another colleague say, I feel like I'm modeling too much. Um, but she said on the flip side, mom is like taking video of me and she's doing the things during the week that I show her on the visit. And this, this service provider was feeling like that's not how it's supposed to be. And I just said to her, I'm like, that's exactly how it's supposed to, (laughs) that's exactly how it's supposed to be. If that's what helps her if that's what that caregiver needs to see so she can carry over and do it during the week, that is coaching. So it's it's not a, there is no one size fits all during a visit. I mean, you can't take one visit and duplicate it to the next visit. And I feel like that's what the toy bag does a little bit. It's like, well, I can use these same materials at visit A and visit B and visit C today. Even though you might use them a little bit differently, it's like using the same things. With coaching, none of that looks that way. Every visit is going to be different. Um and depending on what was planned and and what the priorities are for that week and what what skills being practiced. 
I hear this a lot too. Coaching doesn't work with every family. And my answer to that is if you're not coaching, what are you doing? And why doesn't it work with the family? What have you tried that hasn't worked? And what else could be tried? Do families really understand their role? Do fam like there's so many different factors to blanketly make statements like that um, is really unfair to families. So um I, you know, I just encourage you if you're really embracing change and if you're embracing growth in your in your own practice, go easy on yourself. Like Adele says, go easy on me. But go easy on your caregivers or on your colleagues too. Meet them where they're at, but set expectations and boundaries. Like if this is a visit you're leading and it's a joint visit, make sure that everyone knows their role on the visit. If you are working in a program and you're all service, like for whatever reason, if you know different people are going out at different times, try and come together with some common expectations um, and some common themes that are going to happen on the visit um, so parents understand and parents know. There's also some really good, powerful handouts. I posted them on my Instagram stories, and you can find it under resources. Um, one of them has this great, it just it's a great visual and this other one is kind of wordy from FGRBI, but um, I'm going to see if I can pull it up really quick on Instagram, but it shows like all the like opportunities. Here it is. Okay. So it is from ufearlychildhood.org. So it's the Anita Zucker Center through the Center um, Excellence in Early Childhood Studies. And... um. It's called E is for Everyday Learning Opportunities. Six to eight diaper changes a day. Times two games of peekaboo. Times 365 days out of the year equals anywhere between 4,300 and 5,800 everyday learning opportunities. So just in that single routine of changing a diaper are opportunities for learning 60 minutes on the living room floor one time a week is not going to impact that child as much as what you can implement in a diaper changing routine. Um, It has a couple other examples on the same handout. Three meals or snacks times one to two requests for food or drink during that single routine times 365 days out of the year is anywhere between 1,000 and 2,100 learning opportunities. Okay, so it goes on um, with two other examples and stuff. So it's a really nice visual graphic with not a lot of words. You can find it on Instagram. And then, um, like I said, FGRBI has one. It's a little wordy. Um, It's called Do the Math, Who Practices His Speech More? And it gives you the example of Michael and Miguel. Michael, who names picture cards and reads books with the SLP. Um, 
twice a week for 30 minutes verse which equals one hour a week or a Miguel who has multiple he's got uh anywhere between four and five routines a day that he practices um communication and it equals a total of five hours in the week versus that one hour with the therapist so those are just some tools and ideas to get parents to buy in as well as your colleagues to buy in. It can feel really defeating. Um, it can. I have felt like an outsider a lot of times, but I've also seen a lot of growth in the program I work with, work in, and I've seen a lot of colleagues move um, and change and commit themselves to change. So that's been awesome. But I also know that there there's still room. There's still room to grow. And I, by any means, am not a professional development expert um, or an expert in anything, really. (laughs) um, But I do, um, I am very passionate about empowering caregivers, especially like raising a child with a disability myself. Um, That has opened my eyes a lot to parents want to do it. They do. They just don't know how and they don't know where to start. And some of them are grieving. So meet your colleagues where they're at, just like you're meeting your families where they're at. Um, I also had this interaction where a colleague felt like changing the way she's done something for many, many, many years meant that for those many years she was doing it wrong. It wasn't wrong. It was not wrong. (laughs) It, but there is a better way. We know of better ways, just like we have better medicine today than we did 50 years ago for diseases and illnesses. There's always a better way. And I think about that with everything, you know, with work, with school, with life, with home. There is a better way to do something. Um, You don't need to keep doing the same thing every day because that's how you've always done it. So I'm just going to leave it with that. I just wanted to put that out there. I'm not sure this podcast helped anybody but or helped you, but... Just know that you are not alone and conversation is good. Continue those respectful conversations. Um, Dig into some of those reflective questions when you um, are encountering a situation with a colleague where, you know, you're kind of coming to like a standoff, so to speak, or um, if things aren't really meshing really well, like where can you find some common ground? Um, Where can each of you find some growth? If you have any comments about this topic, please reach out through Instagram. Um, You can find the podcast at rainbows underscore rain underscore podcast. Comment, rate, review, like the whole shebang. And thank you again for listening.